0: All right, very good. Okay, our Bibles are open, and this morning uh, we've entitled our message, um, and going through our theme, We Care About Missions, is what convicted us? You know, so these next few weeks we're talking about missions, and that we care about missions, and that we understand that, you know, this Bible is a missionary Bible, right? And, and, And all churches, you know, the right hand of the church should be missions. And so the question is, is what convicted us? What convicted us to salvation? And, you know, as I was studying this week, I I, I, I was was, was just reading about the centurion man that was um, at the crucifixion of Christ, and I just couldn't get away from it. And and here's why, is because, you know, our our mission started whenever we accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior. And so as I was looking at this text, and I was looking at the centurion, and I kind of wondered to myself, I, I wonder what convicted him. I wonder what convicted him. And so I wonder for you what convicted you. And I understand that sometimes we got to go back to the very beginning. And so if we're going to have a passion for missions, maybe we need to remember what convicted us. And maybe there's some here this morning that's never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Maybe you know his name, and maybe you go to church, and maybe you've been baptized, but there's but but nothing has really changed for you in life. You don't have a passion for missions. You you don't have a passion to serve, and you don't feel the blessings of God. God. Well, maybe you need that conviction. Maybe you need to start there this morning. Can I have an amen? And so let's look at that. And we're going to read the text here in Luke chapter 23 and also in Matthew chapter 27. But I want you to understand that this is the scene and the scene is the crucifixion. And we sung some wonderful songs this morning about that, didn't we? And you know, as we look and as we read here this morning, you know, we see kind of a bleak and wretched scene. You know, and it must have had this been a really dark scene outside of Jerusalem when our Lord Jesus Christ died for all of us. I think that it was a day when all of hell was unleashed against our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, just putting this in context, answer that phone, somebody. It, it was a day, I think, when those should have been his friends saw to it that he was put to death. You know, the Jews, we say, are responsible, you know, for, for doing this. But, you know, it was, but they didn't do anything. Jesus gave himself for us, everybody, right? But, but you know, the Jews... The Jews were the, were, the, were the people of promise, and they were the chosen people, the Bible says. And, and one of the promises that they were given was is that the Messiah, and, and they had the charge and, and they had the responsibility of, of, of taking this, this good news about the Messiah and, and preparing the world for Jesus to come, but they're the ones who said, crucify him. The the ones who should have been inviting the world to come around, instead they were the ones who who were making false charges against Christ. Now again, nobody could have taken Christ's life. He he gave his own life. But but do you see, they they were given that responsibility of being the lighthouse and that promise of the Messiah to come. And they missed it all completely because they wanted something else out of the Messiah. So I'm just trying to set the scene here on Calvary and, and on that day, and I want us to talk about what convicted us. But it was a day of horror. It was a day that will live in infamy for all of eternity. And yet, it is why missions exist. Everybody? It's why missions exist. And it is one of the greatest days that dawned since time began. And for on that day, our Savior died for our sins. Jesus Christ died as the Lamb of God so that we might go free. To right all our wrongs. Whether it's past or present or future. That's where missions began. Huh. Huh. He died to save sinners, and you know, on that day he was surrounded by many of them, wasn't he? And that was the mission, and that's what we're to share. Look with me at uh, Luke chapter 23. Now, to get the story, to get the story of the centurion, we need to look at both accounts: the account that was recorded by Luke, and also the account that was recorded by Matthew. Now, it's the same account. But each one saw things from a different angle. And so together we get the full picture of what took place on that day. Everybody listen. And, and talking about, the, again, our focus is going to be on the centurion. Now, a centurion, he wasn't just a soldier, but he was like a sergeant or a colonel. He was over many people. Now, remember, when, we, when we're reading here, let's not read like we're Christians, and let's not even read like we're Hebrews. We need to, to when we're talking about this Roman uh, centurion, he was Roman. And so, so, his perspective of what was going on would have been different from that of a Christian it would have been different than that of a of a Jew. He was he was Roman, you know, he he believed in pluralism. He believed in many gods. So 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 you see this guy looking at what's going on and all that he saw leading up to this and looking at it from a Roman person's perspective, not a Christian, not a Hebrew, not a Jew, but a Roman. So look with me at Luke chapter twenty three and let's look at verse thirty-two. And we were really we can just start in verse thirty-three. And it says, When they came to the place called the skull, there they crushed him, crucified him, and the criminals, one on the right and the other on the left. But Jesus was saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing, and they cast lots. Dividing up his garments among themselves. And the people stood by looking on. You know there's a lot of people looking on today. Isn't there? And the people stood by looking on. And even the rulers were sneering at him saying. He saved others. Let him save himself. If this is the Christ If this is the Christ of God, his chosen one, the soldiers also mocked him, coming up to him, offering him sour wine and saying, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. Now there is also an inscription above him. This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged there was hurling abuse at him saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other answered, and rebuking him, the other thief that was, said, Do you not even fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed are suffering justly, for we are receiving what we deserve for our deeds. But this man, talking about Jesus, has done nothing wrong. And he was saying, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said, Jesus said to him, Truly I say unto you today, today you shall be with me in paradise. It was now about the sixth hour, and darkness fell over the whole land until the ninth hour. Now remember, this is this is in the evening, it it, it would have been it would have been daylight still. But because of what was going on, it got dark. and it says in verse 45 because the sun was obscured and the veil of the temple was torn in two and Jesus crying out with a loud voice and he said father into your hands i commit my spirit having said this Jesus breathed his last breath now when the centurion saw what he had, what had happened he began praising god saying certainly this man was righteous or this man was innocent now now, that's how that centurion would have looked at it, because now, it, it, we're going to get the full picture here in a minute, because again, the centurion was a Roman soldier, and loyalty and commitment meant everything to this guy. And so when he saw this, he thought, boy, there's a guy who knew what he was doing, why he was doing it, and this is, this, certainly this man was righteous, this man was innocent. Now, flip over with me to Matthew chapter 27. And we'll get the complete picture of this scene outside of Jerusalem at this place called Golgotha or the place of the skull. Because this is where our mission, this is where our mission starts. And, you know, I I think what happens is, is we we get saved and, and, and we know our missions and we care about missions and then life happens and so, so what convicted us into salvation? And, and what is it that we're supposed to be doing? And, and, and what, what heart should we have and why? Well, here, here it is right here. And let's look at the other side here. Matthew chapter 27. Let's look at verse 47. And we're not going to read the whole account, but we're going to start here in verse 47. And some of those who were standing there when they heard it began saying, This man is calling for Elijah. Now if you go back to verse 45, this is when he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And verse 48 says, immediately one of them ran and taking a sponge and he filled it with sour wine and he put it on a reed and he gave Jesus a drink. But the rest of them said, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. See, they're still mocking him. They're still not believing. And, and, and these are the very people who were given the promise, the mission of telling the whole world. I mean, they were given this promise thousands of years ago, and now it's arrived, and, and, and now they're mocking him, and now they're – see, they've, they've lost their mission. They've lost it. They have forgotten what the promise was, and, and they have forgotten why they were supposed to be doing what they were doing and 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 it says in verse fifty, and Jesus cried out again with a loud voice, and he yielded up his spirit, and behold, here it is, look at this I mean this is this is truth and and I want you to look at this, and I want you to read this with me about what happened that day, about what it was and 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 what Jesus did for us and, and he says, and behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook and the rocks were split. I mean, could you imagine being there that day? I mean, here you have the temple, and inside the temple you have the holies, and then inside the holies you have the holy of holies, and that veil that separated it that was so tall and so wide and so heavy, I mean, and so thick that it just ripped in half. And of course we know the reason that the veil ripped in half was, is because God would no more take residence in the holy of holies on earth in that place, because now he was going to take residence, he's going to go to heaven where the the real throne is, but then when Holy Spirit come he would take residence in the believers sorry to spit on you there brother but anyways you're, you're in a danger zone all three of you guys are okay but, but that's the reason and can you imagine can you imagine being that centurion can you imagine being all those people around there can you imagine that you were given that mission of taking this, this, this news about the Messiah and that he was going to come and you're mocking him you're just standing by, not doing anything. and Then all of a sudden, Jesus gives up his spirit, <laughs> and that veil rents. I, I, that's not all that happened. And the rock split, and the earth shook. Golly. Look, look at what it says next. You think that's something. Look at this. And coming out of the tombs. See, Everybody look at me, and I know we haven't even gotten to our message yet, but I want you to, I want to teach you this. You see, in the Old Testament, the Jews, the Hebrews didn't know anything past the grave. You you go back and look, and and they didn't know anything past the grave. They didn't. And and there was a good reason why, is because because they went to a place that was called, that we understand is called Abraham's bosom. Alright? But look at it again. And and the tombs were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. So they were raised out of out of this grave, out of this Abraham's bosom, and now they could go to heaven with Jesus Christ into paradise. Everybody everybody say everybody give the Lord a hand on that, will you? That's just amazing. And so not only did the veil rent, not only did the rock split, not only did the earth shake, but now you got dead people walking around up in here <laughs> you know and and can you imagine again those jews and those people who were that the, the, they had the mission they had the promise can you imagine imagine them just looking around saying oh my gosh you know this is crazy stuff this is wild and so look at what happens next and now the centurion and those look at it and those who were with him keeping guard over jesus when they saw the earthquake and the things that were happening they became very frightened and they said truly this was the son of God I we don't know anything about the Centurion or any of those guards I, I it would be so wonderful to have the story of what happened after this day. I can only imagine that these guys, you know, maybe they become Apollos. Maybe the centurion was Apollos. We don't know who Apollos was. We don't know what the name of the centurion was. I don't know, and I'm not going to to add anything to God's word. But, but can't don't you know that whatever it was... That all of these things that convicted this man into salvation, <laughs> that his mission started right there at the cross. And, and then you went three days later, and of course he rose from the grave. You see, our, our mission, our mission started when we got saved. And I think that sometimes we just, we, just we, 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 we feel it and we're convicted about it, but then somehow we, we lose sight of that mission. So I want us to go back and I want us to think about what convicted us. And as we look at this story of this centurion, and, and, I, and, I, and I'm looking and I'm hoping and I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will, will just lead many of you into passion and to serving Jesus Christ. Because, look, we all have gifts and we all have talents and we all have a call to be missionary we all have a call to pray for others and to pray for missionaries and to give to missionaries and so if we'll get back and understand this conviction that we had and that we had this conviction we're going to we're going to we're going to do missions everybody we're going to do it so look at verse 32 and 33 of Luke chapter 23 now, what convinced him? What, what is it that convinced us? Number one, was it his commitment or his composure? Is that what it was? Was it, was it how he died? You know, the Bible tells us that Jesus went to the cross to suffer and to die as the Lamb of God. John chapter 1, verse 29, and it says this. It says, the next day he saw Jesus coming to him and said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of of the world. And that's exactly who Jesus is. He was the lamb that came to this earth, and his and his response, his job number one, his mission. Jesus's mission was to give himself as a lamb for the slaughter and to save the whole world. Aren't you glad he did that, church? Revelation chapter 13, verse 8 says, "All who dwell on the earth will worship him. Everyone whose name has not been written from the foundation of the world in the book of life of the lamb, who has been what?" slain first peter 1:18 it says this knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your feudal way of life inherited from your forefathers getting back on the on the hebrews again you see but instead but with precious blood as of a lamb unblemished and spotless spotless the blood of christ And we sang about this. Good job on picking those songs out, John. The Holy Spirit works. But look, it was by the blood of Jesus Christ. But it also relates that he went to the cross, look, as a meek lamb, right? Isaiah 53, verse 7, it says that he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. I I want you to see this and what he did for us, because maybe this is what convicted you. I don't know. It says, like a lamb that is led to slaughter and like a sheep that is silent before its shears. And so Jesus did not open his mouth. We understand Isaiah as a prophecy is what what happened that day. So it would be more like so he, did, so he would not open his mouth. And he didn't. All he did was just speak to the people and speak to God. You know what jesus could have done that day i you know i mean I, I he come he come to do what he did he did it he's god right i mean but he could have done a lot of things that day but he didn't he went voluntarily he went as a meek lamb to give to so we could have everlasting life so our sins could be forgiven the past and the present and the future you know i, I think this centurion had seen countless men die by crucifixion i mean that was his job you see, I don't know how if you know how the scene goes, but often we think that, that um, the cross was in the middle of Jerusalem and, and it was on display there. But no, actually, Golgotha was, was outside of the walled city of Jerusalem, and, and, and there would have been a pathway coming from Bethany. All the way down and around, and then coming up to Jerusalem. And so outside of Jerusalem, there is this mound, and it was called Golgotha. And I've been there before, and I know I've told you this before, and and that word Golgotha means the place of the skull. And even today, when you go there and you see that mound, if you stand back and look, carved into the side it looks like a skull doesn't it tommy i mean it was just incredible and so and so so all the passerbyers the ones that were going that were coming from out of town and coming through the main way of going into Jerusalem they would see these people that were crucified and you know Jesus wasn't the only one ever crucified Crucif- crucifixion is a very old thing and they did it quite often but but so 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 this Roman centurion soldier he saw a lot of people being crucified this wasn't his first rodeo but something about this crucifixion of Christ, it really did something to his heart. Don't you think? I mean, because I'm sure that most of them, the people who were being crucified, I'm sure that most of them weren't meek like a lamb and giving it up for the sake of others. Most of them were probably like the two thieves who were crucified with Jesus that day. Most, most of them died cursing and screaming in agony. I don't think he'd ever seen anybody go through it like Jesus did. And he did it all for us. Does it touch your heart? Number 2. Maybe maybe it was the cross. Maybe it was Calvary. You know, as I mentioned, this man had seen countless others die this death. And there was a certain brutality when it came to crucifixion. Now, if you'll let me just just do this just for a minute. But I, I did some research, and I found an article that was written back in 1986. Back in 1986, and it was the Journal of the American Medical Association, and it published a series of articles examining the practice of tortures. And one of those tortures would have been the crucifixion. And so just listen to the brutality of it just for a minute. But they said that drawing on the biblical account of the crucifixion, archaeological evidence and historic documents combined with modern study, this article is aimed to reconstruct the probable medical aspects of the form of slow execution known as crucifixion. So this is what Jesus would have went through. Anybody that went through this would have went through this. And I want to remind you that, that if you look in Isaiah, it, 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 it says, it says that, that more was done to him than most people that were crucified. So this is minimal what would happen in a crucifixion. This is what Jesus went through. Maybe, maybe as a centurion was looking upon the cross and he saw what he endured, maybe that was what convicted him or part of it. First, they say in this article that it's an excruciating death. It says that this is what um, we this is they said this is what we did to God of the universe as described by the article. And ac- actually, that was written by Mark Driscoll because he used this uh, several years ago. But it says here it says although the Romans did not invent crucifixions, they perfected it. They said it is a form of torture and capital punishment that was designed to produce a slow death with maximum pain and suffering. It says for the scourging, the man was stripped of his clothing and his hands were tied to an upright post. The back, the buttocks and legs were flogged either by two soldiers, which are the lectors, or by one who alternated positions. The severity of the scourging depended on the disposition of those giving the flogging and was intended intended to weaken the victim to a state short of collapse or death. I mean, so they would be tied with their arms up and their backs out. All their clothes are taken off, and they flogged them from the shoulders down to their heels. And it says as the flogging continued the person flogging would tear into the underlying skeletal muscles and produce quivering ribbons of bleeding flesh. When the soldiers tore the robe from Jesus' back, from Jesus's back, they probably reopened the scourging wounds. The nails that were driven or the spikes that were driven into his hands and to his feet. It says the driven nail would crush or sever the rather large, um, I don't know this word, sensory motor median nerve. The stimulated nerve would produce excruciating bolts of fiery pain in both arms. And then it says that adequate exaltation required lifting the body by pushing up on the feet and by flexing the elbows and adducting the shoulders. However, this maneuver would place the entire weight of the body on the tarsals, or that's the little bones in the feet, because that's where, the, that's where they were. And, and, and that would produce severe pain. Furthermore, Flexing of the elbows would cause rotation of the wrists about the iron nails and cause much pain along the damaged median nerves. And then it says, since speech occurs during exaltation, and we're going to look at it here in a minute, these short utterance, the words of Jesus from the cross, must have been particularly difficult and painful because it only had to come out in the exaltation. So... The painful part in his crucifixion was is that his, his, his feet was nailed to the bottom of that beam. And then there was a cross coming out here. And nails were driven, some say in his hands, but most say in his wrist. And so to breathe, he would have to lift up from his feet and rotate his arms and shoulders so he could get a breath. And then go back down. Up. And down, to breathe. In short, death by crucifixion was, in every sense of the word, excruciating. But Jesus' violent, painful, sacrificial, courageous, humble death is not only the most horrific act of sinful man the world has ever known, but it's also the greatest act of love ever known. Maybe the centurion saw that. And he was convinced, or he was convicted, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. However, the Bible, understand, would lead us to believe that Jesus may have suffered more than others. And I said it a while ago, and we see it in Isaiah 52:14. It says, Just as many were astonished at you, my people, so his appearance was marred more than any man of his form, more than the sons of man just for us. All they had put Jesus through before the cross, the scourging, the beating, the spitting, the, the all the trials and being put into that hole that one night. And, and when it says this band of soldiers, um, a band of soldiers is anywhere from 400 to 600 people. And they played games with him. Perhaps this man had... Never seen the centurion have never seen another in such sad shape when he was crucified. Maybe it was the sign that hung over his cross, the sign that proclaimed Jesus to be the King of the Jews. Perhaps it was this statement as to the identity of Jesus that pricked the heart of this man. It may have been the cross that moved him. We just don't know. However, let me ask you this Does his cross still move you? If it does, then we'll have a heart for missions. Number three, was it his compassion? I thought this was great. Was it his compassion? You know, while Jesus was dying on the cross, he exhibited his grace and love by showing compassion for the needs of others in the hour of his own greatest need. (laughs) Right? I mean, look at it. He showed compassion to the crowds. He showed compassion to the crowds. And during his hours on the cross, Jesus reached out to those around him. And that was in the crowd. In the crowd around him, the cross mocked him and ridiculed him and tormented him even as he died. Yet he did not condemn them. Instead, he says, what? Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. Wow, what compassion. Maybe that's what just just got to the heart of the centurion. I don't know. He didn't rebuke them. When he opened his mouth, it was just to pray for him. He even took time in his dying hour to, to provide for the needs of his mother. Remember that? His mother Mary, he said, John, this is your mother. Mother this is your son. He also showed compassion to the criminal. You know, when this man who just moments before had joined the other thief in mocking Jesus asked for help concerning his spiritual condition, the Bible says that Jesus reached out to him in grace and love and compassion, and he promised him salvation. He said, he said you'll be with me in paradise. <laughs> he didn't have to do anything but believe in the name of Jesus. Everybody? Maybe he saw that. Was it his compassion? Maybe his compassion for sinners was one of the things that drew him to Christ. I know it was one for me. <laughs> Thank God he has a tender heart for the fallen. Everybody say amen. Mark, uh, Matthew chapter 11 verse 28. It said, Jesus, Jesus says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Is that you this morning? Romans 10, 13, it says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Romans 22, verse 17, the Bible says, The spirit and the bride say, Come. And let the one who hears say, Come. And let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who wishes to take the water of life without any cost. You know, he opens the door to all who will. Maybe that's what... Inspired or convicted the centurion. And then lastly, and this is it, maybe it was the cries, the words that he uttered from the cross. Now the gospel writers record for us seven occasions, seven recorded sentences, if you will, that Jesus said while on the cross. Now we find a few of them here in Luke, and we find the rest of them in the other Gospels, but seven of them. We won't look too hard at them, but number one, we see the cry of forgiveness in Luke chapter 23, verse 34. And the Bible says but Jesus was saying father forgive them for they know not what they are doing and they cast lots dividing up his garments among themselves can you I mean again we said it a while ago but but can you can you see the scene all that was going on and he's dying and the compassion he says father forgive them for they know not what they're doing and all the meantime they're just mocking him and casting lots you talking you, boy you talk, that's the forgiveness that God offers us hey listen to me out there if, if Jesus can forgive someone who was right there at the crucifixion who was right there mocking and spitting and, and, and casting lots for his garments and whatever it was like that and if he can look down from that cross and say I forgive you then what can he not do for you I don't care what you've done or who you've done it to. I don't, you know, the thing is, is that God forgives sins. He, he takes He takes that which is dirty and makes it white as snow. Look, I, I don't know. Maybe you've never been convicted. Maybe you've never accepted Christ as Savior. I want you, this is, this is, this is God. This is what he wanted to do from day one. There was a plan. And he used the Jews as a plan to get them here. And then the Jews, you know, turned on him. And now we have the church that takes the gospel and we do it in missions. But look, maybe you're here this morning you don't know Jesus Christ as Savior. He wants to forgive you. And I know a lot of times we say, well, he, you know, he can't. You don't know how bad of a, It don't matter. You're no worse than these guys. Amen? And then look at the next cry. And I, I say cry in his exaltation. You know, just just, just breathe real heavy for about, for about a minute... And then take it, then take it, take a breath and then speak. You, you can't get very many words out. And and it's not going to be loud. It, it's it's you're gonna have to it's, it's gonna be a struggle. You, you get it? But it was so important for Christ to say these words to them. And how much pain did it take him to lift himself up? Because he's hundred percent man, and then as he was going down to breathe out these few words how important it was it look at Luke chapter 23 verse 43 and he said to him talking to the thief truly I say to you today you shall be with me in paradise he had to tell him that you know and that and that is saying that it's by faith not of works this cat didn't have to go get in the baptistry amen Uh, this guy didn't have to go do good works he didn't have to come to church he you know he he just had to he just had you know he believed he believed that jesus christ was was god and when he did he was given this promise of fulfillment promise of fulfillment and then look at the next one matthew chapter 27 verse 46 and it says about the ninth hour jesus cried out with a loud voice he says my god my god why have you forsaken me He he didn't do that because he was losing hope. Because remember, Jesus Christ is 100% God. You remember, you remember, God is a triune God. You have the Father, you have the Son, and you have the Holy Ghost. And Jesus is the incarnate God. He's flesh, and so he has got a he's got flesh, and he fills everything. But he's also God. And so, and so, and so, when he went to that cross, and as he was taking the sins of, of our sins upon him, those that those who he would call and who would receive, he took those sins upon him. And God can't look at sin, and so God turned. And that's when he cried, Father, why have thou forsaken me? Because at that point, he didn't have the father for the first time in his life. And he did that for us. The cry of agony. John chapter 19, verse 26. It says, when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, and that was, that he wasn't being ugly. That was a term of endearment. Behold your son. And then he said to his his disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own household. It, It always puzzled me. You know, she had other children. He wanted the best for his mama, you know. The cry of provision. In his last breath. The cry of provision. Maybe that's what stood out to the centurion. John chapter 19 verse 28, the fifth one. It says, After this, Jesus, knowing that all things had already been accomplished to fulfill the scripture, said, I am thirsty. The cry of satisfaction. (laughs) He was satisfied to know because it says that he received or that he had already been accomplished. It was done. He knew he had accomplished what it was he was supposed to do. And he took that minute to say that. The cry of victory in John chapter 19, verse 30, it says, Therefore, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. At that time he went he went from he went from he went from that from there in the spirit, and we understand from Peter that uh, He went to hell for us. And went through that torture so that we wouldn't have to. But he didn't stay there. He rose again, everybody. He defeated the death. He defeated death. And so if he had to defeat death for us, which which we know the scripture says, then he had to defeat hell. Because because the Bible says, it says says for all all of us will go through the first. But the second one... (laughs) You know, as hellfire and brimstone, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. We're all we, we're all appointed unto, unto the first death, but not the second if you accept Jesus Christ as Savior. Because as Christians, we don't have to go endure the second death because Jesus Christ did that. When he said it was finished, he endured that for us. His last breath, it is finished. For all of us. And then lastly... The cry of departure in Luke chapter 23, verse 46. And Jesus, crying with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last breath. You know, all these statements from the Lord Jesus, I think it moved all these people there that day. And surely as he heard the words of the dying Christ, his heart was stirred, and he realized that this was more than a man dying and I hope that you see that this morning. This is, this is much more than a man dying. And perhaps that is why he proclaimed the fact that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. I don't know if the words of the Lord, I don't know what the words of the Lord that touched, touched this man's heart. But I hope it touches your hearts this morning. And I hope that if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, that I I'm, I'm praying that 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 the Holy Spirit will, will call you, that God will call you and convict you in such a way that you'll respond, that you'll respond to the work on the cross that was done. And for the rest of us, guys, this is where that's this is this is where missions start for us. How how can we how can we not how can we not be involved in missions but have taken but have taken all of this into ourselves and received it and not do anything about it. Huh? Does that make sense? It should convict us. All these things should convict us and to drive us um, to do missions. To care about missions, to care about those that are on the other side of this world and the missionaries that God has called to go over there to present the gospel of Jesus Christ, that, that we have the love for missions because we're convinced and we're convicted of what Jesus death and his burial and resurrection, and that there's no other way for anybody to be saved except by the blood of Jesus. And if we believe that, if we got convicted of that at one time, we need to have that conviction, and so we can support by prayer. And and mon- whatever it is, to go go, maybe some of you, because because the gospel needs to go out to the whole world. We can't just stand by, just like these guys did on that day. Let that conviction do something in your life. Father, we love you this morning. We thank you for salvation. And Lord, um, i I pray if there's anyone here lord that that you're that right now that's not saved, I pray that the Holy Spirit will just speak so loud to them lord and and um, that that today will be the day that Lord that uh, maybe there's some conviction in their heart that today is the day for them to receive um, the free gift of salvation, Lord, we know that what your word says it says that you 're at the door and you're knocking, and Lord, all we have to do is let you in, and that we just confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and that he again died for our sins, and he raised again, and Lord, and and when you call us, and we when when, when we believe that, that our lives change, and Lord, I, I pray that there are some here this morning that needs that hope of Jesus Christ, that blessed hope. Lord, I pray this morning that they'll come boldly before the throne of grace and proclaiming you as their Lord, Master, and Savior. And Lord, I pray for the rest of us that we're just reminded of what the cross and what Jesus did for us and what it means to us and that we are now given that responsibility as Christians um, to take that gospel and to give it to our neighbors and to support missions worldwide. Lord, help us and and encourage us. Uh, Bind Satan from our presence. Lord, let let us here at Cornerstone put the big things first. And the big things is not about individually, but it's about the gospel of Jesus Christ. We love you and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, stand with me this morning. and.